Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Ding dong hooray, I have recovered from another small bout of illness and uh, have actually managed to galvanise myself to finish a book. I've been reading this since just after Christmas I think, so uh, it has taken me a good long while to finish. It is currently like late January, uh, you'll probably be listening to this way later so I just want to clarify that it hasn't taken me like six months to read but um it's been a process. The book that I was reading is Serpent's Kiss by Melissa de la Cruz, and it is the second book in the Witches of the East, Witches of East End series. Um, I didn't enjoy it, let's start there. So uh, I said at the end of my review for Witches of East End, or Witches of the East, depending on which version you have, as I think it got called Witches of East End after the TV show came out. Um, I finished reading that, was quite um, impressed with that some of the things were different to the TV show but a lot of things made more sense in the book than they did in the TV show so I was actually looking forward to reading the second one. However uh, the second one starts with like a recap of, of what happened in the first book which is really helpful because obviously if you've read that one a while ago you, you might want to be refreshed on events but it then throws events in there that do not occur in the first book. Uh, and then I had to go and check to see if I'd missed a novella. I had not. It's literally just, it tells you these things have happened and then doesn't bother to put them in the book. So where we left off at the last book is Bran and Killian have been um, discovered to be Loki and Balder. It is discovered that Killian, who he thought was a bad guy, uh, was actually a good guy. He's Balder, Freya's true love, and that Loki was behind all the mischief in East End. So they promptly get rid of him. Everything's hunky-dory. Then the bit that isn't actually in the book is that their brother, Freya, or um, Freddy as he's currently going by, uh, turns up, having escaped from his confinement in Limbo with the Valkyries. I didn't know that Limbo was an actual Norse thing. I don't know that it is, but um, we'll blast past that. He's turned up again and he accuses Killian of being the one who actually broke the Bifrost Bridge and blamed him for it. So Killian goes from being, you know, the hero of the, of the previous book to now being the villain again and being under suspicion again. So it's kind of wound the clock back on Killian as a character. Uh, and that's where we start the book. So this just has, sort of happens in between books and is a little bit confusing. Unfortunately, the book goes on to be, I feel like saying it's a waste of time is a little bit harsh, but basically a waste of time because although I ploughed through all goes to count pages 300 plus pages of it nothing actually happens in it which is in any way a surprise or a shock because there's various goings on and evil doings they have to hatch various madcap plans to get to the bottom of things but at the end the facts that they discover are things that were so unshocking that I actually had to go back and check to make sure that I had actually read it correctly um, so I'm just going to get into the plot and uh, beware spoilers once again, all three Beauchamp women have separate plot stories. So Ingrid is concerned with some pixies who have appeared in East End who need her help to get back to where they came from. But they seem to be under some sort of forgetting spell where they can't remember where they are from or how to get back. And she's trying to help them and also sort out her love life with Detective Matt, who is a human. And then we have Joanna, who's being contacted by a mysterious spirit uh, who needs her help or needs to tell her something. So she's trying to get to the bottom of that. And then Freya is trying to get to the bottom of Freddy's accusations against Killian. Trying to find out if he has something of Freddy's, which doesn't get told what it is for many a chapter even though it's very obviously his trident which was mentioned as being the thing that was used to destroy the Bifrost but we go through this pretense of 
being shy about actually saying what it is. She mistrusts Killian, but she still bangs him at every possible opportunity because it's, it's a sexy book, I guess. And uh, then is just trying to get to the bottom of what's going on there. Freddie himself is hiding out at a local um, terrible motel and is in love with this girl who he's found online, absolutely smitten, and is trying to win favour from her dad. Freddie only gets a few chapters to his name, so he's not really what I would consider to be a main character, but, you know, there's his plot line. So initially I found all of these plot lines quite interesting, aside from the Freya one, because I felt like we'd already had it confirmed that Killian was a good guy in the previous book, so I was prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt and therefore never really fell into this speculation as to whether he was evil or not. It felt like there was going to be a very good explanation later on, and sure enough, there was. The other plot lines, I was slightly intrigued as to what the, the dead lady who was trying to contact Joanna was actually trying to tell her, uh, what this danger was that it was apparently trying to warn her about. So that's sort of what carried me through the book and unfortunately ended up being hugely disappointing. To start with Ingrid's plotline, after being accosted by the Pixies, she decides to help them and she is having dinner later with her, her boyfriend Matt, who is a police officer, uh, and talks to him about how she was attacked. She just randomly comes out with it at the dinner table like, oh yeah, I was, uh, I was attacked and knocked unconscious and taken to a motel the other day, and then gets annoyed that he's worried about this, as any reasonable person would be. Um, then on page 39, he says, I'm just worried about you, for your safety, he said. I know you do some amazing, some people even say miraculous things for people in this town, but you need to leave police matters to the police. What do you mean some people say miraculous? Ingrid asked, her nerves on edge. Come on now, you don't really expect me to believe. In magic, she prompted. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no such thing. No such thing, Ingrid snapped. You're sure about that? Ingrid, did I say something wrong? Ingrid shook her head patronising she could stand, but complete disbelief? She was shocked. If Matt didn't believe in magic, if he couldn't accept that she was a witch, what kind of future did they have together? If he couldn't see her for what she was, truly, then there was no hope for a romance or any relationship at all. Ingrid couldn't change or hide who or what she was for him. If she could accept that she could love a mortal, then he would have to accept that he was in love with a witch. It feels like Ingrid has gone off the deep end, as this is their first date. Also, I feel like in the first book, they were desperately trying to hide that they were witches. And now she's just saying to people like, oh, yeah, I'm a witch, which is fine because we're told that the restriction has been lifted and they're allowed to like do magic again. My issue here is that she just says, oh, yeah, I'm a witch. And then he's like, well, I don't really believe in magic as a normal person in this world wouldn't because, you know, they're just average normal people who don't believe in any of this stuff. She gets super defensive. She doesn't, for example, show him some magic to show him that magic exists. She just expects him on their first date to be like, I completely understand that you were a witch and also the reincarnation of a Norse goddess and that magic is real. What would you like for dessert? This is very early on in the relationship to be having the talk and also to be saying like, this relationship is a waste of time if you can't believe in magic. For the rest of the book, she then proceeds to get annoyed with him when he says he doesn't believe in magic or when he like wants to arrest the pixies because he thinks that they're maybe illegal immigrants who um, Ingrid is sheltering in her house. It's very weird. And then at the end, he turns up where she's opened a portal into pixie world in, in a motel and sees it and is like, oh, OK, we should send these pixies home then. I'm really sorry I didn't believe you about, you know, magic being real. I was completely wrong. So that, that, that just seemed completely pointless to me. Uh, the Joanna storyline on the flip side continued to be slightly interesting, but then was kind of ruined at the end. Also, her storyline featured a chapter that did not need to be in the book. 
and um, which I was kind of annoyed at having had to read. As with most chapters in the book, it is only a couple of pages long, so it, it wasn't like that much extra stuff, but it perfectly encapsulated how, even though a lot of the chapters are very brief, some of them there is no point and they don't put the story forward at all. So this is chapter 31. Uh, and Joanna's trying to discover the identity of the wraith who is trying to communicate with her. And the first line of the chapter is, Now that Joanna was certain the wraith was a dead witch, one whose features recalled Johan Vermeer's The Milkmaid, she decided to use that as a jumping off point. Right. So, so she's just decided that she's seen this woman. She thinks, oh, OK, she looks like this painting. That's a perfect way to go about researching her. What? She then goes over like what the woman looks like, you know, what clothes she's wearing, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of the chapter, page 171, she says, Joanna strode to her bookshelf and searched for books on 17th century witch hunts in North America, specifically ones in the environs of Long Island. So it takes her a whole chapter to get from this Vermeer painting to witches tried in Long Island. When the person she's looking for is someone she knows was executed for being a witch who is buried in Long Island. Why does this chapter need to be there? You know this person was tried as a witch in Long Island. Oh, maybe I should go and look up witch trials in Long Island. No, it takes us like four pages, an entire chapter, to get from she looked like this painting by a Dutch painter to get to the next obvious step in research. It just boggled my mind completely. I, I literally had to pause at that point and think, do I want to continue to read this book? It feels like it's wasting my time. Just as a random aside, the next chapter, uh, chapter 32, begins with these lines uh, from Freya and Killian. They met in their favourite place, their safe harbour. Freya could not fight the pull. It was carnal, his lips, his sweet breath, like cucumbers and yoghurt. The silk of his skin, the feel of his sinewy limbs, the unhurried grace with which his body received hers. Cucumbers and yoghurt gave me pause. I cannot think of anything less erotic than yoghurt that has been in someone's mouth. Um, it was very disturbing. I actually read this aloud to my brother to see if he also found this a weird thing. He paused for a minute and then asked me if they were Greek. Um, it, it, he did have a point. It did kind of make me think of like, you know, like, like lamb and Greek yoghurt and just tasty Greek food. But at the same time, yoghurt on someone's breath not what I think of when I think of romance. So that that nearly on the heels of the chapter that didn't need to be there made me close the book, but I was like, no, I will finish this book. This will not be the book that beats me. So uh, I, I pressed on and I did continue. Once Joanna is aware that this was a witch who was executed in Long Island, uh, she then kind of comes up with this theory that this spirit is somehow tied to her. It's like a guardian spirit that is meant to contact her at various points. Uh, which are important to warn her of things and, you know that's its job but it's also um one of them like one of these uh, norse goddesses or deities who has been left in midgard by the destruction of the bridge so she theorizes she instantly decides that time travel would be the best way to contact this person instead of say going into the like glom or the, the like shadow world where the dead people are where she has gone to contact previ uh, people previously in the in the first book Instead of like trying to contact the spirit, which is a spirit in her time, she decides to time travel to just before this witch's execution to ask her about it, which seems like a, an odd choice. And she does this because um, on page 186, she realises that something happened in Fairstone, which is, I think, what the, what this town is near uh, or like in the history of it, like in their locale. Something important that the witch needs to communicate to her. 
So instead of just asking her spirit, we're, we're going to fucking time travel. And it turns out not to be Joanna who does the time traveling. It's Freya who they send for various reasons. Freya arrives in old timey witch hunt Long Island, meets the condemned woman's husband, instantly reveals to him that she is a witch, uh, which he thinks is a joke because he doesn't believe in witches, and then takes like two steps out of a hedge before being accused of witchcraft by uh, Leon Gardner, who is, I guess, Bran and Killian's ancestor, who was like first settled on the island where their like mansion is now, uh, accused of being a witch and thrown in jail. So she'd been there for like five minutes and, and now she's been thrown in jail. But not to worry because Killian then time travels to her and then time travels them slightly back in time to before that happened. So that whole event seems pretty pointless. They then go and speak to the, the lady who apparently is Joanna's secret spirit guide, who seems to have no idea what they're talking about. So they just decide, you know what, we need to get her medical care and we need to get her out of here. So they time travel her back to the present to like feed her and give her water and stuff. And then she says that she didn't want to talk in front of the jailer because she didn't want to get in trouble or get her husband in trouble because he's mortal and she doesn't want him to die. She wants to stay there and spend as much time with him as possible before she dies and, and is then reincarnated, which is quite sweet. And uh, then we finally get to the end of the book and we get to the mystery, the mystery that all of this has been building towards, the mystery that all three plot lines tie up into. The pixies and their memory loss, Freya's suspicion of Killian, Joanna's quest across centuries to speak to this woman who has been haunting her and trying to pass on a very important message, the final end of the book revelation. Loki is a bad guy. Now you might be thinking we found that at the end of the first book. You would be right, my friend. This is not really a revelation so much as a fucking recap. To backtrack a little bit and try and explain the kind of fine details of this revelation, Freya has, in her quest to find out who destroyed the Bifrost, theorised that another god is actually responsible and has framed Boulder, aka Killian, and her brother for its destruction. To which my response would be, okay, so it was probably Loki. Um, but she also says, and I, I don't know where she pulls this from, she says that the other person who, who must have destroyed the bridge must have taken its power. And I don't know why, because um, when Freddy and Killian were suspected of having destroyed it, you know, they hadn't taken its power. So if the power had been taken, surely the gods would have known this and seen, well, the two people that we thought destroyed it don't seem to have the power from the bridge. So maybe we should be looking for the person who does. But no, apparently not. Um, so Freya is, is worried someone out there has all this power. And that's the person that we've got to be worried about. And uh, she's also discovered that Killian has a mark on his back in the shape of the trident, which is what happens basically if you take Freddy's trident and hold it when it's not yours. You get this mark on you. So I was thinking, well, OK, he probably just took it from whoever had stolen it. So what we get basically told is that the pixies who have plot convenient amnesia for the whole book, uh, at the end say, oh yes, it was Loki who told us to steal Freddy's trident. And then he destroyed the bridge. Uh, and then Killian got hold of it and got the mark somehow. And then we stole it again from him, which is kind of obvious. And then it's Loki who's destroyed the bridge to take all the other gods' power. And that he has started the witch hunts, which is why he's like back in time as his own ancestor, technically. Which you kind of have to think, oh, okay, so Bran Gardner was Loki last time. Then there's also this other evil guy who is his distant relative, 
that's probably Loki as well because we're all fucking immortal. We've all just been around for years. And then the book ends on a cliffhanger when Freya is sucked back in time to Salem to, um, I guess, meet her fate at the hands of Loki. And the rest of the family decide that they have to help her, even though their powers are dwindling. Because even though they had massive reserves saved up from not using their powers all that time because it was not allowed, they've actually used up all of their magic. Doing really important things like making magic cocktails for people at the bar they work at and then using their magic to turn people into rock stars in white flares with fog machines in the background that is an actual scene that occurs in this book so you know because of you know that perfectly reasonable and good use of their magic power they don't now have magic power to go and rescue their sister so it ends on a cliffhanger the next book in the series winds of salem I've looked around for it online. I, I kind of held off buying it because even secondhand, it's like £8. And I wasn't enjoying this one that much. But am I going to read it now? No, unless I find it in a charity shop for like a pound. Because this book really, really, really disappointed me. I've read it in fits and starts. That's maybe why I didn't get into it as much. But even so, it's a 300 page long book, which ostensibly has these mysteries through it. But then the payoff of the mystery is just something we already knew. It would be like if there was an episode of Scooby-Doo set in the same town as the previous episode where the monster is the same guy again. It just, it there, there was no point in me reading this book. Like getting to the end didn't teach me anything that I didn't already know. That Loki was a bad guy, which to be honest, I could have told you after seeing an Avengers movie. Really struggling to see what point this book has in the series it just seems like an awkward second book in a trilogy where nothing really happens it's just setting up stuff for the third book which i now don't want to read because this was boring so there we go i feel like i've been a bit harsh but i'm just very disappointed because i kind of enjoyed the first book i enjoyed the fact that it kind of built on some of the lore that didn't make a huge amount of sense in the tv version um and i understood it a little bit more but my god I am disappointed. The kind of final nail in the coffin was just something that I didn't really understand the point of. Freddy's storyline is he gets told to go and um, get a treasure by scuba diving into the into the sea for this guy who he wants to marry the daughter of. This guy's like, I'll let you marry my daughter if you go and retrieve this treasure for me on a sketchy boat ride where you'll be locked in the cabin and unable to see where you're going. Also, please sign this contract in blood before you depart. A contract which Freddy fails to read? So when he retrieves the treasure and brings it back, the guy's like, Oh, I'll let you marry my daughter, but not the daughter you actually wanted to marry, because I have more than one, and you should have been specific. So he's like, Freddy has to marry Gert. And he's like, I don't want to marry Gert, I want to marry Hilly. Except he then meets Gert for like the second time realises that she's beautiful and that they have all the same interests and that he's perfectly happy to marry her because she's the love of his life. So what was the point of the pretense? Why reel him in with Hilly if you know that he's a perfect match for your other daughter in the first place? Why screw him over and, and lose his trust when you could have kept stringing him along forever if you just said like, oh, well, here's this daughter who's perfect for you. I'll let you marry her. And then he married her. Uh, don't know also again i feel like the characters are just dumb and they're making stupid choices like freddie signing a contract in blood that he hasn't read and freya wasting all of her magic on things and not 
actually really trying to do anything, just kind of fucking her boyfriend every chance she gets, while internally thinking, hmm, he might be evil and have framed my brother for a war crime, but you know, he got them fine abdominal muscles. And then Ingrid just expecting her boyfriend to be okay with the fact that she's a witch when he doesn't even believe in witches, and then getting upset that he doesn't believe in witches when most people don't. Uh, it's just, it seems dumb, and I can't really read another book where stupid characters make bad decisions and then and, and, and then nothing happens i just can't do it so um my advice is if you enjoyed the tv show and that has made you want to read the books read the first one go into the second one with very low expectations let me know if somehow the third book ends up being a fucking masterpiece that cannot be missed because then i'll, I'll check it out i think i already have the prequel to the series because it was an ebook that I downloaded and it was like 99p so I might give that one a read um when I've got strength uh, but for now this is probably going to be the, the last one that I look at in the series for a good long while um please do let me know if, if you liked the book if you saw something in it that I didn't if there's something that I'm missing because I, I feel like there was no reason for this book to exist so um get in touch you can do so on twitter or via gmail um or you know you can just comment on the youtube version of the podcast because i get notifications from there as well and in the meantime i'll see you in the next episode bye <laughs>